everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... A bucket of mayonnaise. <laughs> Fuck me. That'll make sense uh, shockingly soon. Uh, we have a great episode for you, and I'm going to say this. First half, real fun time. Probably one of the funnest episodes we've done in a while. There's a lot of really good jokes. There's a lot of really fun times. Uh, and we, we do have a blast. Second half, real rough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just like if you tried to eat a whole bucket of mayonnaise by yourself. First half going strong. Second <laughs> half, got to muscle through it. I couldn't Sorry. even get through a single fucking spoonful of <laughs> no, that. I swear same. to God. <laughs> it would be so gross. Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, a, it's a rough second half of the episode. And I just want to throw a content warning uh, real quick for sexual assault, for uh, racial discrimination. Uh, suicide, a bunch of shit. It's it's bad. It's not good. The Nazis fucking sucked ass. Yeah, the Nazis sucked ass. Yeah, controversial opinion, dude. And not in a pleasurable, consensual kind of way. No, <laughs> they, also, they were just should, bad people. You shouldn't be sucking ass. You should be licking and eating ass. All right, somebody out there, if you're sucking ass, they didn't teach you to eat ass right at sex school. Cool. Let's <laughs> abandon this ship immediately. <laughs> Yep, that's uh, that sounds about right. It's a great episode. I think you're really gonna like it. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, we have one more episode left after this, and it's gonna that's gonna be a good one because uh, yeah, we have to cover Hitler, but we also gotta cover the guy that kills Hitler. So you mean after he lived out his his life peacefully peacefully in Argentina? We'll get to it next week, Paige. But this week, right. we've got a fucking swell episode, and I cannot wait for y'all to hear it. I I hope I didn't scare anyone off. It's still very funny. <laughs> I had a blast, but um, yeah, it it does get rough. So without any further ado, let's hop into the show. Hello. 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 All the talk of sandwiches makes me hungry for justice. I'm getting a fucking sa- I'm getting a a 12-inch justice foot long right now. <laughs> Don't drink the Kool-Aid. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always... These are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have... A birthday cake. It's my birthday! Happy birthday! Yay! Tomorrow, technically. Tomorrow's my birthday uh, mm-hmm. when this comes out. Um, yeah, and what, <laughs> what better way to celebrate your birthday than by spending the entire fucking month and a half uh surrounding it studying the nazis page there you go. i mean i can't think of any better way except that i can think of almost every better way any anything else is better pretty yeah. pretty much anything else yeah in the middle of a plague yeah <laughs> <by the way. laughs> oh my God. what a what a time to turn 26 i know i know man it's yeah. woof yeah, and it's a real shame I got to die next year. You know, 27 Club type shit. I'm telling you, I mean, if you want to get famous, that's the way to go. <laughs> this is the time to do it. This is the time to do it. I'm going to turn 27 and only travel by plane immediately after. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got booked for something <laughs> the other day. I'll talk about it in plugs later if people want to, I guess, watch it online safely from their homes. Uh, but I asked the person booking me, I was like, is this actually going to happen or is this going to get canceled forever? And this was just a fun conversation we had. And he was like, yeah, it's probably going to get canceled. But like, you know, I guess plan for it not being canceled. <laughs> yep. Yep. I was, I was going to spend my birthday weekend in, uh, in San Francisco 
and and Reno and Santa Rosa and all these other fun places, and then they all got canceled, baby. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I like that you said Santa Rosa, real real classy, like mm. as if it's not just Santa Rosa. Santa Rosa, a place where you can get stabbed and a decent taco. I mean, yeah, probably. I mean, but that's most places in California. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Show me a place in California where you cannot get stabbed and get a decent taco. <laughs> you know what the funny thing is? Is most of the time, the closer the sta- the closer you are to the possibility of being stabbed, the, the better, better the, taco. the tacos. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's our neighborhood where we have this taco stand that's supposedly one of the best on the east side. But there's a guy at the Seven Eleven with a machete every week. So like, yeah, well, so that's the risk you got to run. And also, yeah. fun fact: uh, burritos are closer to gunshot. Possibility. We got them too. <laughs> you think it's fireworks, but it's not. You got to risk it to get the biscuit. And by biscuit, I mean tacos and burritos. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but we are here. We are here with the uh, the penultimate episode in our series on the Nazis. It turns out that this one's going to be a six-parter. Six parts. Bam, bam, bam. Uh, yeah. I, I messaged you earlier. Uh, yesterday and mm-hmm. was like i'm pretty sure i can get this done in one episode <laughs> it um, was a valiant effort yeah but it turns out that the nazis did a lot they like so did a lot shit. and it's almost like controversial opinion page i wish they did less nazis do less do less nazis do less <laughs> less of everything literally everything you're doing do less that's actually going to become part of my part of my new repertoire. Instead of say less, it's the opposite. If somebody says something I don't want to hear, I go, oh, do less, do less, bud. do less, stop it. Oh my god, yeah. They uh, this this episode. Um, there are some fun times, but I just want to give a preemptive warning that uh, spoiler alert: Nazis are bad and do a lot of bad shit and we're going to cover a lot of that bad shit in this episode and so um straight up trigger warnings for sexual assault for murder for racism and and religious and racial persecution uh yeah it's it's a bit it's it's not fun it's not a fun time preemptive warning i will probably cry i've had a very rough week and i spent the morning watching the sad seasons of outlander so it's it's not gonna be good for me today (laughs) yeah we started the 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 zoom call and had a 30 minute conversation about tv because when you turned on the camera you went i'm fine how are you (laughs) i'm good don't worry about it she just came back through the stones after 20 years um it's fine. Don't worry. Yeah, about I couldn't it. understand Paige, but I thought she was—I thought she had kidney stones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, before we get into it, let us go over our sources. Uh, again, we have Mein Kampf by Adolf Hitler. We have Hitler: A Study in Tyranny by Alan Bullock. We have The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich by William L. Shire. We have The Mind of Adolf Hitler by Walter C. Langer and Hitler by Ian Kershaw. Uh, and then we have several several articles from the Holocaust Memorial Museum. Um, An invaluable source if you're trying to learn about, uh, well, obviously the Holocaust, but a a lot of like intricate bits and pieces uh, because there were a lot of things that led to it. So if you're interested uh, in learning more about any of the things that we cover today, I would suggest you go to their website and, and if you can go visit the museum itself and uh, sort of learn what you can. In our last episode, we covered the birth of the Nazi party and their rise to power. Adolf Hitler started his political career in 1919 as an angry war veteran looking for change. And now, 15 years later, he had become the Fuhrer of Germany. Now he could finally accomplish his goal of returning Germany to greatness by uniting the Germanic people under one united Reich. When we left off, Adolf was taking baby steps towards breaking the Treaty of Versailles. He had the leaders of the SA executed and ordered the three million members of his paramilitary group to join the German army. And unsurprisingly, they did exactly as he asked. I mean, if I worked at, say, like a Jimmy John's and Mr. (laughs) James Jonathan came in. James Jonathan? 
Mr. Jimmy Johns. <laughs> Hello, I'm James Jonathan, owner of James Jonathan. <laughs> James Jonathan Sandwich Purveyors. <laughs> if James Jonathan came in and killed my fucking manager, I would do whatever he asked me to do. He's just changing the sign to aromas are complimentary. <laughs> Instead of free smells. Fucking overtime? Yeah, sure. Just don't kill me like you kill endangered animals, Mr. James Jonathan. <laughs> and that isn't libel or slander because that's not his name. Yeah, because James Jonathan is a mythical person. Exactly. Also, just as, as a side note, I wanted to make sure that we couldn't be sued for anything, uh, which it just is just a thing that has happened in the past. Not recently, but I don't yeah. want to I don't want to, to do it anymore. So I did a fact check on did the owner of Jimmy John's uh, kill endangered animals? And the result was uh, mixed truth, because in truth, he did kill endangered animals, but he is no longer the owner of Jimmy John. Okay, there we go. There we go. Because, like, when you said James Jonathan, I assumed it was a fake person, and therefore, in my mind, it became a giant tub of mayonnaise with googly eyes on it. So then, when I pictured it hunting endangered animals, I pictured, like, that picture of the GoDaddy guy, but it's just a tub of mayonnaise with googly eyes and a rifle next to it, and I'm just like... Damn you, James Jonathan. Damn you straight to Hellman's, which is the mayonnaise. The mayonnaise, yeah, of course. Fuck, man, I hate working for Jimmy John's. Um, <laughs> uh. In fact, with his new and improved army, Hitler decided to make a couple changes. For example, the soldiers fighting for Nazi Germany were all asked to swear an oath when they joined, uh, which, you know, is pretty common in most countries, uh, except... Their oath wasn't to the country or even to the position of the chancellor. It was to Adolf Hitler himself. Their express purpose was to serve his goals, and that's it. If it came down to it, you needed to die for him and his dream. I, upon donning this black polo shirt and inhaling <laughs> the complimentary aromas of the division of James Jonathan's Sandwich Emporium, do solemnly swear to to bend to the will of this mayonnaise bucket with <laughs> eyes on it as long as this bread is stale. Yeah. That that is very close, but she forgot to end it with the uh the traditional Jimmy John's greeting, Heil Pickle. <laughs> Heil Pickler. Heil Pickler. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, we joke so we don't feel sad. <laughs> Every fucking day of my life, baby. <laughs> oh, however, taking over Europe and eventually the world was only one part of Hitler's plan. His vision was a society where classism, racism, and discrimination wouldn't be an issue. Which is a great goal, unless your idea for getting there is to kill everyone that isn't a purebred white. Oof, and as we say at James Jonathan Sandwich Emporium... That's a pretty big deal. <laughs> Steel dill pickles. Oh my god. That's the only way we're gonna get through this, Armando, with a classic Italian extra hell man. It's called an Italian nightclub. It's the number nine sandwich on the menu page, and it includes the <laughs> traditional Jimmy John's French bread, lettuce, onions, sweet peppers, tomatoes. I guess the peppers are optional, but I always put them on. And then the uh, the Italian meats with the provolone. You get it with that fucking oil and the vinegar. That's called the sauce page. We call it the sauce. But because it's oil and vinegar, it's actually lower fat, so we call it the Mussolini. <laughs> World War II Jimmy John's jokes. Got them on yeah, Let's no go. No one ever talks go. about how the Italian nightclub was actually the fascism party. So Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so if you've ever studied the Nazis before, or honestly, if you haven't been living under a rock for a hundred years, you've probably heard the term Aryan. It is everywhere from nazi speeches to the modern day aryan brotherhood to my constantly rejected movie script aryan bud hey hey there's nothing in the rules that says a dog can't be chancellor of germany <laughs> I'm, not, 
I like that you went to Chancellor Germany because I put that golden retriever in prison and there was just two skinheads being like, there's nothing in the rules that says a dog can't be a white supremacist. <laughs> and they're just like tattooing an iron cross onto the dog. Oh, That's man. in my sequel, Aryan Buddies. When they, <laughs> he has children, they go, they serve time for his war crimes. He's voiced by Edward Norton. <laughs> Oh, you don't understand how fucking happy I was when I wrote that joke. <laughs> I have, I have, I have been, I have not been that pleased with myself in a very long time, babe. Oh, oh no, that's great. Thank you. <laughs> so the term Aryan is an ancient Indo-Iranian word that was used back in the day to describe the noble class. Afterwards, some followers of Hinduism would adopt the term to describe themselves. And as goofy as it sounds, for some reason, early 20th century Germany, and more likely Europe at large, was obsessed with India and its culture, which is something that we briefly covered last week with the taking of the swastika. It was just a sort right. of thing that they did. Um, and this weird level of fascination with other culture isn't uncommon. Nowadays, we have weebs who are super into Japanese culture. Uh, we got Francophiles who are obsessed with speaking French and smelling like shit and cigarettes. Uh, and then also remember that in our episodes on the LRA that Joseph Coney's dad was big into Italy and forced everyone to call him Luigi. I remember that. Luigi. Yes. Luigi yes. Coney, baby. Luigi Coney. I when I remembered that I had to like go back because I was like, fuck, what did he make him call himself? He called himself like Mario or fucking I, I was true as you were saying it, I was like, what was the name? What name did they give him? And my brain was like, lasagna. And I was like, Paige, <laughs> that's not a name. I know we're not firing on all cylinders today, but that is not a name. But it does beg the question. If you stack two Joseph Coney's dads <laughs> no. on top of each other. Is <laughs> Absolutely it? not. It's 2022. All lasagna talk is banned. We're not doing this. <laughs> Is it two Joseph Coney dads or one big Joseph Coney dad? Um, I'm going to say it's two Ouija. <laughs> I'm I'm team one EG and the L is a number one. One EG. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, but back to what you the point you were actually making. I grew up in a, a moderately anglophilic household in which we watched the BBC occasionally as children. And mm -hmm. now as an adult, I just have like a box set of Blackadder and a weirdly dark sense of humor. So like, <laughs> you know, it happens. Yeah. I mean, look at me. I'm super into the Mexican culture and I'm full white. This is brown face page. <laughs> I've just been gluing hair to my face the entire time. I'm actually full Aryan page. A lot of people don't know that about me. I mean, I'll be real with you. You look like the original Aryans. <laughs> and Hitler hates that shit. Yeah. Oh, boy, did he. Uh, so, yeah. You know, the Aryan, the, the term Aryan goes back a long time. And it's used in a lot of various different ways. It's uh, it's sort of used to represent anyone whose who's language comes from Indo-European language or, or Indo-Iranian. I'm not sure. Um, it's used by... Hinduist nationals who are basically like the Nazis of Hinduism who are like we we are the Aryan race and everyone else is a subsection of humanity. Um, we should go over that in another episode someday. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like oh, that's yeah. super interesting. There are Indian Nazis and it is confusing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, people use the term Aryan and also people have been obsessed with different types of cultures uh, for a long time and then and they definitely still are. But some people took it way too far. People like Dietrich Eckhart, Adolf's former mentor and proud member of the Thule Society. Uh, as we kind of talked about in episode three, there was a lot of interest in the newfound science of archaeology and anthropology. People wanted to study our origins and the folklore surrounding them to see where we came from. Um, unfortunately... Quote unquote, science is kind of a stretch. The Thule Society looked at ancient artifacts from India and Iran 
and decided that they were proof that long ago a group of blonde-haired, blue-eyed saviors came and gave the ancient society the tools that they needed to survive. And the more they looked around, the more they started to believe that the same exact thing happened everywhere in every society. Oh, it's the ancient aliens paradox. Yeah. <laughs> Where they're like, brown people couldn't have built these massive structures. And it's like, or maybe they could have. Yeah. Weird hair guy. It's surprising how much you can get done if you just constantly throw human life at a problem that you have until <laughs> it gets solved. I mean, true. And this goes back to, we talked about this a little bit in our Rudolf Steiner episode. Uh, this is root race theory. This is theosophy. This is Blavatskyanism. This is hollow earth nonsense, continent of Lemuria, city of Atlantis, magical space Aryans. Absolutely. And that's exactly where all of this stuff comes from. If you've listened to the show before, this idea of settlers from a superior race running around and creating all the other races, it isn't new at all. In fact, at the exact same time, in the 1930s, completely independent from the Nazis, with no idea of what they had going on, another guy came up with the exact same theory. Only he wasn't a white dude from Germany, he was a black guy from Detroit named Wallace Fard Muhammad, and he used the exact same idea to found his own group, the Nation of Islam. <laughs> I mean... I mean, uh, I I know they've done some bad shit too, but there's a part of me that's like, good for you, man. <laughs> exactly. But not nah, like I can't say that. There's, I mean, he definitely didn't do Hitler level shit, but like, you yeah. know, they're both they're both bad. They're both bad extremes of the same exact bullshit, and it's basically any of this theosophy bullshit. Once you start to see. Once you look at you as superior and somebody else as inferior, you're going to have problems anywhere it goes. Yeah. Racism, yeah, yeah, classism, yeah. fucking sexism. Everything. Like, literally yes. any of it. Even culturally. Imagine a fucking like, guru walking around, which we've seen thousands of times before, oh, just yes. looking at people and being like, I'm better than you. I'm more enlightened. I don't care about things as much, but I need you to know that I'm better than you. This is why gurus are bullshit. This is, this yeah. is why I d oh, and all and not just gurus like traditional gurus, people who believe they are better than everyone and have all the answers. And we see that so often on the show. Every time somebody's like, no, 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 you need to follow me. I have the key. That should be a cause for alarm. Yeah. I would say uh, there you need to have some humility. <laughs> Uh, but also, I do want to clarify, I mean, just in case, you, when we say Nation of Islam, we're not just referring to Islam as a whole. Oh, yeah. This is a specific <laughs> subset group yeah, we're, that we're, has we're done some crazy shit and will probably get their own episode at yeah. some point. We've actually covered an offshoot of the Nation of Islam before the United Nation of Islam, which came right. afterwards. But we haven't right. fully gone into it. Um, I, th I just think it's super interesting that that entire thing was independently created at the exact same time using the exact same bullshit logic. That's so great. They did the wrong math and got to the same problem or solution, which is also a problem. So As, Yeah, I mean, it'd be, imagine if like two people invented Oreos at the same time. Yeah. Independently of each <laughs> other, same exact ingredients, they taste exactly the same. Or imagine if two different people invented two different sandwich shops and coincidentally they were jimmy john's and james Jonathan's. james jonathan's sandwich emporium <laughs> both one of them run by a jar a big bucket of mayonnaise with googly eyes and another run by a bottle of mustard with a wig and yet you can get the mussolini sub at both yeah it's god damn it yeah james jonathan aromas are complimentary <laughs> I don't know if this is actually funny or if it's just funny because we've been to Jimmy John's. Like, I don't... I, I mean, it could be both. I know we have listeners who work to Jimmy John's. Yeah. Shouts out to the to the dude that uh, when we when we did the live show at Panic Fest, he cosplayed as me working at Jimmy John's <laughs> in his actual Jimmy John's uniform and asked me to sign it. And I know that you're not supposed to add any kind of flair to your personal uniform. I know the punishment that he was getting into. So I fucking respect the hell out of you, man. My favorite was when we walked out of Panic Fest after and there's a Jimmy John's across the street and we were like, wait, so you work at Jimmy John's? And he's like, yeah. And we were like, that one? And he was like, oh, no. <laughs> it's just a, a crazy coincidence. I fucking love Jimmy John's, though. I hate him. I hate the business. I hate it. 
I don't want to work there. And if you do work at a Jimmy John's, I sympathize with you deeply because it is a, a horrible company and the way they treat their employees is fucking dog shit. But God damn it, if that Italian sub isn't fucking good, baby. That's why instead of eating at Jimmy John's, you have to eat at James Jonathan's Sandwich <laughs> Emporium. Yeah. With expedient delivery. <laughs> yeah, where the only endangered animal they're killing is me through my cholesterol. Uh, they possess the meats. <laughs> we seize the meats of production. <laughs> oh, seize the meats of production. Oh my god. Welcome to James Welcome to James Jonathan Sandwich Emporium. Fucking Bonjour comrades. Bienvenue on James Jonathan's Sandwich Emporium. Seize the meats of production. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, so the term Aryan is very fucking vague. And when it comes down to describing who is and isn't Aryan, it gets even more complicated. But basically, all you got to know is that the Nazis described Aryans as anyone who wasn't Slavic, black romani or jewish there are some other ones in there too but those are kind of like their main ones you didn't have to be blonde and blue-eyed but you definitely had to be white and european but like a specific kind of white and european this is what i'm talking about it's fucking complicated and also like i tried i tried researching like what the what he can what hitler considered to be aryan and he was like, it's like 50% Nordic, uh, 25% uh, uh, like Germanic, 15% uh, concentrated power of will, uh, and 100% reason to remember the name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then 12% pickles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Every Aryan person is 112% a person, and in most of that is pickle. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, Hitler himself clearly wasn't blonde haired. He did have piercing blue eyes, but he wasn't blonde haired. And so he was like Nordic in origin. I don't know. The whole thing is fucking complex and I don't get it. And also the science of like determining exactly what somebody is, is fucking weird to me. So I, I yeah. just kind of was like, all right, after spending two hours reading it, I was like, I don't need to know this. The point is, yeah, you're like, he's on the hunt for Alexander Skarsgård. Let's yes. move on. Yeah. The point is, is that, well, aren't we all? I, I, we all want Alexander Skarsgård. Any like, Skarsgård. I, I get it. Give me Pennywise. Give me, uh, <laughs> give me the dad even. Fuck it. I don't care. Give me a Skarsgård. I want it. Anyway, yeah. So if you were a Slavic, Black, Romani, or Jewish, uh, that was, that was what they thought were non-Aryans. So in order to start separating the Aryans from the non-Aryans, Adolf and his rigged Reichstag passed the Nuremberg Laws. And remember that one of Hitler's main campaign promises was to strip the quote-unquote undesirables of their citizenship. Well, this is how he got it done. Every citizen was forced to prove that they came from a strong German bloodline. For Slavic, Romanian, black people, they used birth certificates and stereotypical facial features or physical features in general to prove that you weren't Aryan. This included anyone who was also considered to be mixed race. If you weren't full-blooded German, you weren't an Aryan, and that meant you could kiss your citizenship in Germany goodbye. To suss out the Jews, they looked at religious records, like baptisms, communions, and gravestones. And if you had three or more Jewish grandparents, you were legally considered a Jew, and your citizenship was revoked. Wait, how could you have more than th three or more? Okay, four. But how could you have more than that? I think they meant, like... Your grandparents and their grandparents, maybe? Oh, okay, okay. Or maybe you're that just like fucking Hitler and you don't even know who your grandparents are. <laughs> Which, by the way, you wouldn't pass your own fucking test, dude. It's like the Trump shit all over again where like Trump passed those fucking bullshit ass immigration laws that his own grandparents would not have been able to pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Hitler's over here being like, Father, uncle, and mother, niece. <laughs> uh, definitely strong German ancestry. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh my God. Did I, I, okay. This doesn't fit in. I tried to figure out how to fit it into the thing, but I found out that Hitler had his own. Hitler had his own niece girlfriend. Wait, what? Hitler had his own niece girlfriend. And when I say that, he had a niece. Mm, 
God. Of all the things his father could have handed down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Terrible. It was horrifying. So he had a niece named Angela Maria Jelly Robel. Um, that was that was uh, his niece. It was his half niece. Um, I don't know. Still too close. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't make a difference for me. <laughs> no, exactly. It was the the daughter of his half sister, which is still like. That's still, still your too close. niece. It doesn't matter if you don't have the same pay. Yeah, it doesn't matter. The point is, is that his niece uh, lived with him and he had like custody over her. She was like his ward. Yeah. And um, she he found out that she was dating his chauffeur. And when he found out, he got pissed and forced her to break up with him and then fired the chauffeur and then basically kept her locked in a room for every single day um and modern historians psychologists and even people back then even people back then were like bro your relationship with your niece is fucking weird it's like you want to fuck her all the time and she doesn't want to fuck you back that's creepy and so people have said that it's it, it may have not been overtly sexual in like they were having sex but it was clear that hitler wanted something to happen and was mad any time that she had a relationship outside of their personal relationship. And he kept her locked in a room and she tried to escape to Vienna. And uh, he stopped. He foiled her plan. And so he went on business. He went out of town on business. And she broke into his office, stole his gun, and committed suicide. Because she was just like, I'm a fucking prisoner. There's no way out. This guy's not going to let me leave until I'm dead or fucking him. It's fucking terrible. Also, after her death, Hitler said that it was the most important and deepest connection that he had ever had in his life. But like, bro, she's a 17-year-old girl. Have you ever talked to a 17-year-old girl before? If that's the person you connect with the most, you're fucking crazy, dude. Okay? So yeah, he had his own proposed niece girlfriend which is something that he got from his dad i didn't know how to fit it in and so now you get it here in the middle of the episode and i'm sorry but like fuck this guy he's all around just a terrible awful gross i mean I, I don't think it's controversial to be like fuck hitler he sucks yeah exactly but I, I yeah i just didn't i didn't know how to fit it in but i need everyone to know that exactly how much hitler sucks he's fucking yeah. awful if you don't mm. do what Hitler wants, this is the kind of shit that happens to you. So think of this as a fucking theme stated in the beat sheet of this goddamn episode. Anyway, every citizen was forced to prove that they came from a strong Germanic bloodline. Um, they were able to suss out the Jews by looking at your religious records. And if you had three or more grandparents that were Jewish, you were legally considered a Jew. Uh, which is a legal term now. It's literally like, it's it's not just you are from the Jewish faith. You are legally considered Jewish. And it's important to note here that the Nazis talked a lot about Jewish racial traits, but they didn't use them when they were finding out who was Jewish or not. Probably because they were all fucking horseshit, and that's not, it's not real. But the Nuremberg Laws did a hell of a lot more than take away your citizenship. If you weren't Aryan, it was illegal to marry or even have sex with an Aryan German. You were also banned from running certain types of businesses or holding a government job. Obviously, it was stupid hard to be a Jew in Germany. The laws were a legal way of stripping you of your basic human rights. And it came from a guy who was constantly talking about exterminating your people. So, as hard as it might have been, the best game plan for a lot of Jews was to leave the country. Unfortunately, that wasn't always an option. In October of 1938, the Polish Ministry of Internal Affairs checked their census records and realized that over 57% of foreign Jews living in Germany were Polish. But the country was still trying to recover from the global depression, and they feared that an influx of immigrants would fuck everything up. So they decided to borrow a trick from their German neighbors. They announced that any Polish citizen living abroad would need a fancy new stamp on their passport to be let inside the country. And they gave their citizens only 24 days to get their passports up to date and told government employees to just make up reasons to deny stamps to Jewish people. By October 30th, about 12 thousand polish jews were effectively stateless these twelve thousand people were then rounded up arrested and deported back to poland 
German officials took any valuable property and money they may have had and dropped them off at the Polish border. However, when they got there, they were denied entry and sent back. These people marched back and forth between Poland and Germany for days in the pouring rain until they Mm. were either granted entry or sent to a makeshift refugee camp in the no man's land between the two countries. And conditions in these camps were actually so bad that people tried to sneak back into Nazi Germany and those who were captured were immediately shot and killed. Among the thousands of people kicked out of their homes, robbed of their possessions, and forced to live in inhumane conditions were the Grinspan family. The Grinspans were Polish Jews who immigrated to Germany in 1911. Mr. Grinspan was a tailor and Mrs. Grinspan was a stay-at-home mom. After moving to Hanover, the capital of Lower Saxony, they had a couple of kids. However, due to the German citizenship law of 1913, None of these kids were granted German citizenship. Technically, they were all Polish citizens. Their youngest child was named Herschel. He was a pretty smart kid who always seemed to get into trouble. His teacher said that he was incredibly gifted, but he was kicked out of school for getting into too many fights. Although, I'm willing to say that the fights weren't really his fault. By his own school's admission, it was because he responded to anti-Semitism with his fists. Go for him. His parents, who decided that there was no future for him in Germany, sent Herschel to live with his uncle in Paris. But things weren't much easier for him in France. In 1938, he failed to get the new special stamp and his Polish passport was voided, meaning he had no papers and was officially an illegal immigrant which meant that he was unable to work, go to school, or really fucking do much of anything. Those who knew him best described him as a sweet, if not overly emotional, teenager who was deeply devoted to his family and his religion. His The religion aspect of this is huge, by the way. He was said to be even more religious than his parents were, which is like one of the first times I've ever heard of that happening. I mean, it does happen, but yeah, that's... Yeah, it's pretty rare. Yeah. It's pretty rare to see somebody like, t- you know, yeah. take that and then run with it. He was also his family came from a uh, subsection of Jewish people uh, that were closer to like Orthodox Jews. So they mm. were like even more, I hate to say it, but they were like even more Jewish than uh, people who consider themselves German Jews, who at the time saw themselves as Germans first and Jews second. He was, mm. he believed that he was Jewish first and that was his identity. He often talked about how much he missed his parents and how hurt he was to hear about the persecution of his people back home. His plan was to wait in Paris another year until he was eligible to move to Palestine to become a rabbi. But that plan ended abruptly in November of 1938 after the mass deportation of Polish Jews. He received a postcard from his father who was staying in a refugee camp between the German-Polish border. His dad described in detail the violent arrests, the robberies, and the awful conditions they were forced to live in. He also recounted how the soldiers shouted at them as they left, quote, out with the Jews off to Palestine was chanted at them as they were forcibly put into a paddy wagon and carted off to the trains. In the last line of the postcard, Herschel's dad asked for help, anything to help them make it. They were desperate and Herschel was heartbroken. Four days later, he walked into the German embassy and asked to speak to the ambassador. He claimed to be a German citizen who was stationed in Paris as a spy. He said that he had a very important document that needed to be seen as soon as possible. The clerk on duty sent him to see Ernest Vom Rath, a junior official who was filling in while the ambassador took his lunch. When Ernest asked to see the document, Herschel shouted, quote, You filthy kraut, in the name of 12,000 persecuted Jews, here's your document. The 17-year-old pulled out a pistol and shot the official five times in the chest. Damn! But also, they kind of had that coming. Herschel made no attempt to flee the scene. He waited for the police to arrive and was arrested without incident. In his pocket was a postcard addressed to his parents. It read, quote, My dear parents, I could not do otherwise. May God forgive me. My heart bleeds when I hear of your tragedy. I must protest so that the world hears. Forgive me, Herschel. Herschel Grinspan was never tried for his crimes, but it wasn't because of a lack of effort from the Nazis. 
it was because his plan had worked. France was put under a ton of pressure from its citizens, foreign journalists, and activists to not prosecute the 17-year-old boy. The argument was simple. Of course, murder is a terrible thing to do. No one should murder anyone. However, the murder was provoked by the violent and unfair treatment of Jews in Germany. American journalist Dorothy Thompson may have said it best. Quote, The boy has become a symbol, and the responsibility for his deed must be shared by those who caused it. Um, end quote. By the way, that, that whole thing from Dorothy Thompson. Dorothy Thompson is an American journalist. She was one of the very few women who were allowed to be uh, on broadcast like news reporters. She was a journalist and author. She was also, I think, the first American journalist to be banned from Germany uh, for clear, obvious yeah. reasons. Fuck yeah. Badass. In her whole speech. She's fucking amazing, by the way. Dorothy Thompson, hard hard ass bitch i love her she's great <laughs> she's fucking amazing that whole speech that she gives was broadcast to millions of people and it's just filled like it's so impassioned and so well worded it, it it contains the line in there she says uh who is really on trial here i say that we are all on trial and mm. her whole point basically being that like you can't say that somebody will be tried by a jury if their peers if all around the world, Jews are not allowed to speak, Nazi Germany is basically keeping all Jews hostage. And if anyone speaks out, their punishment will be worse. So how can he get a fair trial? Right. She also she also like started up her own fundraising campaign and within days was able to, to raise $40,000 in the middle of a global depression. Uh, and specifically asked Jewish people to not donate so that the Nazis couldn't claim that it was uh, funded by like a Jewish cabal or something. It was funded by purely non-Jewish Americans and other foreigners who had heard about it. Nice. The Nazis had one hell of a time censoring the foreign reports of how the world felt about Germany. At the time, it was one of the only things anyone in the world wanted to talk about. But Germany's goal was to frame the murder as an assassination planned by a secret cabal of Jews. They wanted this kid dead. But even when they managed to get Herschel back to Germany, no one wanted to prosecute him. It turns out that while he was in prison, he had learned a little secret about the man he killed. Because uh, it turns out you can't try someone for treason... If the murder was a crime of passion, Ooh. Herschel claimed that he and Ernest Vom Rath were actually secret lovers. Ooh. Now, everyone knew that Herschel wasn't gay. It's, it's very clear that he was not a gay man. But Ernest definitely was. And if you're keeping track, this is the second gay Nazi named Ernest who was killed by a pistol. So... It's a fucking crazy coincidence, I guess, but I thought that was weird. Hitler and his inner circle decided that giving Herschel a trial would cause more harm than good. The best case scenario was that they got a conviction, but then had to admit that they put a gay man in power, which was pretty frowned upon by the Nazis. So Herschel was never tried, but the 17-year-old had single-handedly fucked up the Nazis' whole shit on a global scale, and boy, were they pissed. But no one was as angry as Joseph Goebbels. Joseph Goebbels was the Nazi party's chief propagandist. His job was to keep the German people on Adolf's side while he committed several crimes and geared up to start another war that no one really wanted. It's safe to say that he had his fucking work cut out for him. <laughs> Indeed, and before we get a million emails... I know that it's Goebbels, but that's that O-E German sound that we Americans can't pronounce. I tried it. I couldn't figure it out. I know that they're going to tell me it's wrong. The fucking girl that I'm dating, it, it speaks German. And I was like, how do you pronounce it? And she was like, no. And I was like, okay, Goebbels. And yeah, she was like, Goebbels. no, no, it's close. It's so, you know, it fucking, it sucks. It, I, also, I said Goebbels wrong and my phone was like, you're right. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, more like Joseph Goebbels fucking 
Dick. Let's call him Joseph Gerbils. Yeah. So Joseph had done pretty well. Also, I I'm pretty sure it's like Yosef or some shit too. I don't yeah, probably. I don't know how to pronounce any of this shit. Oh, Joey Gerbs. <laughs> oh, you talking about Joey Gerbs? That manager yeah, yeah. over at James Jonathan Sandwich Emporium. Sandwich Emporium. <laughs> Let me get a gerbil fucking nightclub, please. That's an Italian nightclub, but he puts a gerbil in his ass when he eats it. Yeah, they got that gerbed bread instead of herbed bread. <laughs> I realize it's a bad joke, but that's all I got. He's a horrible person. Yeah, this guy fucking sucks. He also just looks like a rodent. Just look up a just whenever you have time. Not right now, but whenever you have time, look up a picture of Joseph Goebbels and and look at his fucking rat face and tell me that he doesn't look like a real life disney villain oh my gosh no okay he he <laughs> he looks like if you've ever seen the dana carvey film masters of master, master of disguise, disguise yes he looks like the turtle yeah yes fucking yes that's what it is he he's got a very turtle mouth going on or like sam the eagle from the muppets just like a very reptilian bird-like amphibious mouth where he always looks like he's frowning no matter what even when he smiles it looks awful it's a tear he's a terrifying looking guy and not terrifying like oh he looks like a scary oh his smile is terrifying no i just found a smile and oh he should frown frowning is better (laughs) oh my god oh my god how fucked up does your face have to be for frowning to be a better choice for you Yeah, they're all, they all, all of the Nazi top brass look like a bunch of fucking dorks and a bunch of gross ass dudes. It's, it's absolutely disgusting. So Joseph had done pretty well at the start by providing millions of Germans with radios and finding a nice balance between straight up propaganda and actual entertainment. Because if you only play political speeches, people are going to look to foreign outlets for music and stories. And with Germany's reputation in the toilet, they definitely did not want that. But lately, Josef had been fucking up big time. Not only was the Herschel debacle causing him a ton of grief, but he had a completely ineffective propaganda campaign during the Sudeten crisis. Basically, uh, German had taken most of Czechoslovakia without firing a single shot. And they had done this... um, because the allies wanted to avoid another world war so they just decided to appease hitler it was it was like if we're look we don't want to fight we're just going to give you some of it and then it'll be done and also they had this meeting without really informing czechoslovakia uh which kind of fucking sucks so oh no joseph's ad campaign was supposed to make it sound like the rest of the world was too scared to fight back instead it came off like the rest of the world was an annoyed babysitter who gave a screaming child a toy to shut it up. Many Germans felt like the country wasn't ready for war. In fact, the crisis had even led to an internal plot to kill Hitler. One of many (laughs) internal plots and uh, one of the external plots to kill Hitler. Um, But yeah, that's how bad he fucked up. His propaganda was so bad that he made other Nazis be like, maybe this fucking Hitler guy is such a good idea. I mean, that's that's when you know it's bad. (laughs) When people are like, I say we kill him. Do we want to kill him? It's yeah. mm. I've never seen an advertisement so bad. Like imagine watching TV and a Wendy's commercial comes on and you're like, I got to fucking kill Dave Thomas now. This sucks. (laughs) He is already dead. I regret to inform you. We need to exhume Dave Thomas, do a ritual to bring him back, ask him why their patties are fucking square, and he's going to be like, because we don't cut corners, and we're going to be like, ah, damn it, and then re-kill him. (laughs) Yeah, let's shove a Baconator down his throat. Choke him. Anyway. God, Wendy sounds so good right now. I know, right? Fucking, as soon as I said it, I was like, oh, I haven't had Wendy's in a minute. Their fries are ass, but God damn it, the burgers are good. Ugh. So on top of all of that, all of these fuck-ups, he had also recently been caught having an affair with a Czech actress, which was a huge no-no according to the Nuremberg Laws. Because remember, being Slavic and sleeping with an Aryan was super against the law. Joseph was humiliated in the eyes of his daddy, Adolf Hitler. Not his literal daddy, but like an emotional daddy, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, his Vader, if you will. Yes, exactly. 
When Yosef found out about the murder of Ernest Vom Rath, he, Hitler, and many other top Nazi officers were at a dinner celebrating the 15th anniversary of the Beer Hall coup, or more commonly known as the Beer Hall Push. Adolf was apparently so upset that he left without saying a word or delivering his annual speech. Seeing an opportunity to get back in the Fuhrer's good graces, Yosef decided to fill in. In his speech, he addressed the assassination and said that it was proof that the Jews were attempting to fight the Nazis. And he ended by saying, quote, Demonstrations should not be prepared by the party, but insofar as they erupt spontaneously, they are not to be hampered. At 1.20 a.m. on November 10th, 1938, Josef Goebbels gave the go-ahead to launch what is now known as Kristallnacht the night of broken glass. Over 7,000 Jewish businesses were destroyed. Homes, synagogues, and cemeteries were all vandalized or burnt to the ground. Rape and violence was common, and over 100 innocent people were murdered during Kristallnacht. But the tragedy didn't stop there. Afterwards, many people committed suicide, and others who were severely injured died because they didn't receive treatment. Modern historians estimate that Kristallnacht was directly responsible for over 600 deaths. And that's that's just the deaths. That's not even to mention the property damage, the loss of everything. I mean, you fucking lose everything. Yeah. I think when we remember the Nazis, we want to see Germany as an entire country of supervillains. Like a nation filled with anti-Semites who cheered for death and violence at any given opportunity. But in reality, many Germans were horrified by the night of broken glass. Onlookers gathered around the riots and watched in terrified silence. Neighbors cried while peeking through their curtains. When the stormtroopers tried to burn down the biggest synagogue in Berlin, they were actually stopped by the chief of police. After Kristallnacht, former Kaiser Wilhelm II was quoted as saying, For the first time, I am ashamed to be German. Just after Kristallnacht, a psychologist interviewed 41 randomly selected Nazis and asked them how they felt about racial persecution. 63% expressed anger and disgust with the idea of actually killing Jewish people. Only less than 5% agreed that it was necessary. Most Germans had joined the Nazi party for reasons outside of anti-Semitism, and even those who were anti-Semitic believed in punishment in like an abstract sense. But being forced to commit violent criminal acts had turned them. After Kristallnacht, many SA leaders and high-ranking Nazis began openly rejecting orders from Josef Goebbels and other higher-ups. It was clear that Josef's plan had backfired horrendously. He tried to do damage control by downplaying the events, and when that didn't work, he straight up made it illegal to protest racial discrimination in Germany. But it didn't matter. The damage was already done. Everyone, including the top brass, was upset with Josef. Heinrich Himmler, Adolf's right-hand man, called him a megalomaniac and wrote, quote, I suppose it's Goebbels' stupidity which is responsible for starting this operation now in a particularly difficult diplomatic situation. Hermann Göring, the head of the Gestapo, decided that it was time to step in. He met with Adolf and the two of them came up with a game plan. And afterwards, he met with other members of the Nazi leadership and announced their decision. Quote, The Jewish question must now, once and for all, be solved one way or another. I don't want any doubt, gentlemen, as to the aim of today's meeting. We have not come together merely to talk again, but to make decisions. And I implore competent agencies to take all measures for the elimination of the Jew in Germany. End quote. And that was the birth of what the Nazis called the final solution. The concentration camps they set up in Poland would be converted into death camps. Top Nazi scientists were working on a gas chamber, which they thought would be the most efficient way to kill massive amounts of people. The bodies were to be burned so that they wouldn't leave a trace. In secret, without the public's knowledge, millions of Jews were sent via trains to camps like Auschwitz, where they suffered incredibly inhumane conditions before they were sent to their deaths. Modern historians estimate that between 6 and 7 million Jews 
were killed in the Holocaust. The rest of Germany wouldn't find out about any of this until after the war. A war that proved Adolf Hitler didn't give a shit about anyone, especially his own people. A war that would change the landscape of the world forever. And luckily, a war that would end the Nazi regime. But that's where we'll pick up next week on the final episode of our series on the Nazis and Adolf Hitler. Ugh. Yeah. Brutal. It's a rough. It's a it's a real rough one. I well, and I know that like they didn't necessarily know exactly what was happening camp wise and stuff, but there's a part of me that's like, yep, yeah, all your neighbors are disappearing. Yeah. <laughs> like there is a, so yeah, I don't want to I don't want to apologize for the ideas or whatever that that the german people came up with or that people that were anti-semitic because i'm i mean that's the thing about racism is most racists never have to actually confront the people that they hate and that's sort of their thing and that's not to excuse them at all because it's fucking terrible but that's the thing right is like people can chant mexico mexicans go back to mexico or black people go back to africa or whatever but when you're face to face with somebody, it's so much harder to actually act on those thoughts because it's more of an abstract. It's an idea more than the actual like witnessing somebody fucking kill somebody and burn shit down. Well, it's because you you are confronted with the reality that that person is a person yeah. just like you. And why are why is your personhood more important than theirs, you know? We've we've hit this point and we've hit it in so many different cults. Where the promises made were so grand and awesome and fantastic. And so you've given full control over to the leader. And now you're realizing the the reality of what needs, of what, I, I wouldn't say what needs to happen, but what is happening to reach those means. You realize how awful the person you've put in power is. And now we see a switch. Towards the beginning of this episode, uh, you see shit like, they're trying to use propaganda to make people feel better about it. They used to have a concentration camp that was in the middle of Germany, um, or not a concentration camp, but a ghetto, rather, where they would keep famous Jewish people. They would keep like musicians, authors, poets, um, the rich, elderly Jewish people, and they used that as a, as a propaganda tactic to be like, look, this is the ghettos. This is where we keep them. It's nice. It's clean. Uh, they're setting up like soup kitchens and shit. Like it, it, it's fine. This is where we're sending them so that they can live out the rest of their lives in peace. That's what we're doing. It's, it's the, I have a black friend of Nazi Germany. Exactly. Yeah. They were, they were using it as an example. Uh, but then you see this switch at the end where they realize they can't fucking do that anymore. So now it's just fucking illegal to protest them. And you have all of these people who, who are realizing how fucking awful it is. You know, this shit where people realized what it actually meant to do this is what turned. But at this point it's fucking too late for most people. And if you're an average citizen, there's fucking nothing you can do. So yeah, it it sucked. And also, again, this is not to humanize them. This is not to forgive them for the things that they've done. But one of the things that really blew me away, learning about Kristallnacht, well, two things. One, I didn't realize that Kristallnacht wasn't, something that they had planned out and it wasn't you know it wasn't like the night of long knives where it was hitler approved (laughs) it was stormtrooper tested hitler approved like kick cereal (laughs) um no it was in retaliation to this other thing that happened that was blown up on a global scale you know the the fucking the case of urschel uh, grinspan i didn't i didn't fucking know that and two i didn't realize that so many people afterwards became anti-Nazi. Actual Nazis during Kristallnacht started helping Jewish people escape and getting them the fuck out. It was a huge turning point for the way that the public saw the Nazis and their movement, which is why they decided that they needed to fucking commit the Holocaust and do it secretly and hide it from as many people as possible. Fucking disgusting. It's it's yeah, it's absolutely terrible, and I don't think you need me to tell you how fucking terrible it is. Um, and this is the end of the episode, and there's no good way to segue into it. Normally, we do it with a joke. We get into our plugs, but it it right. It feels bad, so I'll say, uh, hey, if you feel bad for us for having to put ourselves through this, 
and you want to buy us, you want to buy me an alcoholic beverage or a joint, and you want to buy Paige a bag of sour sour worms, um, and uh, let's see, I know what else you like. Now I'm really curious. Is that, I mean, sour worms was a good guess. So I know you like sour worms and peach rings. Those are like the two things that I know. I thought I, for a second I was like ice cream, but that's Jake. Jake is the ice cream. That boy. is Jake. Jake is Jake is the ice cream boy. Yeah, <laughs> Jake is the ice cream boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, that's such a fun phrase. But yeah, if you want to buy us something, so consider supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash cult podcast. Um, you can check out all the tiers and rewards that we have there. Things are going to be switching up this year a little bit to make it more sustainable, but it, it's the best way to support the show and to support the things that we do. Um, if you want to listen to the show somewhere new, might we suggest Rooster Tea? Cock-a-doodle-doo. Go to roosterteeth.com or download the app on your mobile device, your Xbox, your Roku television, uh, all that fun stuff, and go check out all the wonderful shows that they have there. Um, also, if you want to find me on social media to see, uh, one, to see if I'm doing shows, uh, two, to wish me a happy birthday. And three, to keep up to date on all the stuff that I will be doing over this year, which I told Paige some of it. It's crazy. It's going to be a wild year. Um, you can go follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Mondo Does Stuff. That's M-A-N-D-O Does Stuff. Also, as an aside, uh, go check out Podvant Guard, uh, a podcast hosted by a friend of the show and former host, Andrea Gazetta um it's very similar to the format of our show uh but they cover a lot of like art history and fun shit and it's a lot of fun it's a good show i highly recommend it and go check out andrea's patreon go to go follow her on instagram at andrea gazetta and on twitter at sundress comic find her patreon and help support her she's doing really good shit i just got a whole envelope full of stickers from her and i was very pleased nice yes Hey, it's your girl, Paige. I'm here every week. I'm I'm the peachy ring person married to the ice cream man. And <laughs> ice cream boy, Paige. Ice cream boy, B-O-I. Uh, I will be roast battling Pat Barker, head writer of BattleBot Season 6, uh, <laughs> uh, on January 27th, barring any COVID-related cancellations. It'll also be... Uh, I believe streamed online. So if you want to have information about that, follow my social media at page Wesley on Twitter at rampage Wesley on Instagram and TikTok, And I will be posting things there so you can find out where to see me insult a person, hopefully in person. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens. It might not happen. It might just be me at home. Page comes up with some of the best insults on the fly on this show when we're just supposed to be like insulting random people. Like anytime we were supposed to make fun of a Nazi. Watching Paige have time to craft an insult <laughs> is one of the best things that you can ever do. If you have the opportunity to go live, go. If you have the opportunity to watch it over the internet, do it. I have, there are few things in this world that bring me such joy as watching Paige Wesley just rip somebody a new asshole <laughs> because it's so, oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I don't get to do it often anymore. I'm, I'm running out of people to insult. No. Uh, you know. You're like a bully in a TV show where the joke is so well, it's like, damn, that's mean and good. Yeah. Where you're just like shoving somebody into a locker and you're just like, see you next period. Like, <laughs> Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's amazing. I definitely recommend it. Go check her out. Um, if you, thank you, thank you. If you want to follow the show on Instagram, you can by going to at Colt Podcast. Or at Colt Podcast Show on Twitter. Also, you can send us an email to coltpodcastshow at gmail.com. If you want to send us your uniform from James Jonathan's <laughs> Sandwich Emporium for our archives here at Colt Podcast, uh, you can absolutely send that to 3756 West Avenue 40, Sweet K. Number 237, like, like the, shining. the Shining, Los Angeles, California, 90065. And remember that aromas are complimentary. <laughs> Fuck, man. I got to get some Jimmy Johns after this. Sorry, some James Jonathan. <laughs> I, I feel like we need to make aromas are complimentary stickers because it's just the craziest phrase. <sighs> I absolutely And I love, love it, it now. Do, would love you it. judge me if I double teamed some fucking Jimmy Johns and some Wendy's right now? <laughs> No, not at all. 
I would not I, zero judgment because like when when stress gets real bad and I just need to get away, I take a drive out to a raisin canes <sighs> and I get raisin canes and then I stop at Sonic and get mozzarella sticks and dip the mozzarella sticks in the raisin cane sauce and I'm I refuse to feel bad about it's it. Fucking, it's not an everyday thing. No, it's a once in in a occasion kind of thing, but it is delicious. <laughs> once in a Cajun kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a Cajun inside of me and it wants raisin cane <laughs> sauce. Yeah, I get it. I had to last night. I I went over. Uh, I went over to somebody's house and just put my fucking head in their chest and just like I'm gonna lay here. Can you pet my head for a bit? I don't want to learn about the Holocaust anymore. <laughs> this Aww. fucking sucks. This is a bummer. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, check us out on all those things. Thank you for listening. And uh, Paige, take us away. I think for this one, I'm gonna say don't drink the water on top of the mayonnaise bucket oh at James John sandwich for him. That is not safe. No. And don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Bye. Here, <laughs> oh, real that quick. was a gross one even for real me. Real fucking quick before we go. Grossest thing that ever happened to me at a Jimmy John's is one time they needed to replace the, uh, the, the tuna bucket that they keep. Also, we keep our tuna in a bucket. Anytime you order a tuna sandwich from Jimmy John's, we open a fucking bucket. Like one of the things that they keep fucking nuclear waste in in movies, that's what it looks like. So they pop it up. They take it out. Uh, and th- when they're replacing it, th- th- there's two buckets. There's one bucket that contains the tuna, and then there's another bucket that catches all of the tuna juices and condensation and gross shit that falls out of the bucket. But somebody only grabbed the top bucket, and the bottom bucket fell and slammed on the floor and covered me in tuna juice. And I asked if I could go home and change my uniform, and I was told no. I had to work the rest of my four-hour shift covered in tuna juice. Ugh! Fuck Jimmy Johns. Anyway, bye! Bye! Yep!